Welcome to the Neom No BS Guide to Wellbeing, hosted by me, Nicola Elliott, founder of Neom. This is the podcast that keeps wellbeing real and it gives you advice and information on all the ways that we can take care of our wellbeing every day. Now, today I am talking to Alice Living. If you haven't heard of Alice, she is a former professional dancer. She's a personal trainer. She's the author of three books, no less. She's a columnist for Women's Health magazine. She's obviously a huge Instagrammer and a blogger. Uh, You may have done some of her workouts during lockdown down because she is now a business owner. She's recently launched her fantastic app, Give Me Strength. It's a fitness app, but it also has uh, not only workouts in there, but the recipes as well. And she's really passionate about educating, uh, well, all of us on all things health and fitness, but she does it in this way that I sort of describe to her as reality plus plus. What I mean by that is it's really easy to talk to Alice. She makes things very, very attainable. She also guides you and make things a little bit more inspiring. So she's just in that really nice sweet spot that I think is so important for well-being, where, yeah, you're inspired and you learn things, but she doesn't make you feel bad about having like a donut, you know, once or twice, three times a week. We speak about five ways to well-being on this podcast and Alice's tips, bits and advice that she has in her toolkit to use when she needs the most are things that are free because she thinks that everyone should have access to feeling their very best. So have a listen. I find her, as I say, super inspiring, but with a big dose of reality. Hello. Hello. How is your well-being today, Alice? Did you sleep well? Do you know what? I actually did. I said on my Instagram stories this morning, I'm having some like weird dreams at the moment. I'm sure it's a sign of something going on. Um, but yeah, I slept very well. Thank you. Fantastic. T- and also tell me, did you do your daily morning workout before coming here? Do you know what? I did. I uh, I went to the gym <sighs> this morning. Wanted you to say no. I know. Yeah. If you got me yesterday, <laughs> I would have said no. But today, I, I think there's something about getting up on a Monday morning and just getting at it. And yeah. I feel like mentally it puts me in such a good place for the week. So I did this morning. <laughs> I, I agree. Before we kind of get into your your well-being tips because you are you know if I think of well-being and I think of a face I kind of you are the face of well-being <laughs> I, I think more than anyone at the moment uh, okay so Alice just give us a kind of a little potted history as to how you've become what I would absolutely see as sort of the poster girl for well-being in 2021 because and then we'll sort of go on to explore that because I think well-being now is a much broader term than it was even two years ago yeah so Talk to me a little bit about how you got to, you know, sitting on this amazing pedestal. I think it's such an interesting one because if I'm honest, I don't really feel that there's anything that special about what I do or who I am. Oh, come on. No, just hear me out here. But I think what is absolutely so great about that is actually what I am a reflection of is a journey that so many women have been through. So it's not that I am doing anything crazy or I am in somehow or some ways more special than the next person. I don't think I am. But what I did was share an honest journey of what I think almost every woman goes to. You know, we were talking Mm -hmm. before this podcast started about clothing sizes, about, you know, how we talk to our children about health and well-being and all that sort of stuff. And I think that, you know, if I look back to where I started, which was definitely in a very disordered place with both food and exercise and my body, to where I am now... I think that's actually a journey that a lot of women are going through. And it's almost a reflection and a kind of handholding through that process that I try and provide. It's about learning, you know, 
that numbers matter a lot less than we think that we do when they start. For example, the number on the scale, the number in the back of your clothes. It's about embracing exercise for the positive reasons, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the you know the health benefits that it brings or the mental health boost that it gives you and not about, you know, burning calories or, or losing mm-hmm. weight or punishing yourself. There are so many things that I feel that I've learned along the way and that I've shared. And actually, I feel really fortunate to be in a place that, I've kind of I've made lots of mistakes along the way but Mm -hmm. people have continued to support me through those and I think that's really special to me yes I have got many things wrong I think we all do when it comes to health and well-being and I think we've learned a lot over the last you know six seven years definitely as the industry has boomed and as we've seen so many more people become interested in health and well-being and the fact that people have trusted me to kind of take that journey and to follow along with it is really um really something that I'm incredibly grateful for. So it sounds a bit silly to say, but no, I don't think there's anything that special about what I'm doing. I'd say the one thing that I'm really proud of is that I know I'm a really good personal trainer and I know I'm a good coach. I've worked really hard to kind of develop that skill set alongside, you know, sharing honestly and openly online. Um, so I think, you know, now I would feel, I would hope people come to me, one, because they trust trust me as a coach first and two, because they value my experience of everything I've, I've gone through up to now. Um, but yeah, I think definitely it's it's more just, I think I was in the right place at the right time going through something that so many people resonated with. Do you know why I think you're so special and so the crux of your success personally? I think you sit in a really, really interesting spot, which is sort of aspirational reality Mm. and I think where we are right now is the sort of you know we've gone past looking at um or idolizing um women who are you know inverted commas perfect Mm. and we are understanding that the the there needs to be a reality and a balance to life feeling good well-being etc but I still think there's a need and a desire to look up to someone mm-hmm. and to you know have that sort of um that that guiding hand and 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 I think you know all for the body positivity mo- movement but I also really do like the idea of someone who can just who's a little bit a little bit more on it than me a little bit you know a bit a bit more for me to aspire to um and that's helpful actually mm. it's really helpful it's inspiring it's helpful um but it's really lovely that of three days when you do your workout, one day you, you know, sit by the TV feeling not great with a donut. Yeah. So I think that's that's the place where I really feel is the sweet spot for well-being in general mm. is reality plus plus, mm. you know, because I think it inspires me when I see people, brands, um, Instagram, podcasts that are just kind of giving me that little bit of a... Of a, of a, yeah, a bit of inspiration. Yeah. So, hurrah I, for you. I think from my perspective as well, the thing that I feel is really important is I don't see it as a, as a sustainable um, thing to be able to give inspiration all the time. I don't have inspiration and abundance. I have my bad days. I have days where I can't be bothered. So yes, I can definitely bring a lot of my positivity and my motivation and my skill set to my Instagram. But I would be doing my audience a disservice if I made it out as though that lasted seven days a week, 20, you know, 24 hours a day. Um, 
I just don't think that's a reality. So I think you're right. It is about, you know, yes, I can give you a little bit of this, but I'm also going to show you that everyone has their bad days. Everyone has Perfect. days where they can't be bothered. Yeah. And actually that's far more sustainable as a way of approaching health and well-being than it is trying to get this, you know, seven days a week vibe of, of, of being happy and healthy and lovely all the time because nobody is like that. So yeah, I try and I try and think that for my own health, it's important not to give across that image of of everything being great all the time. Totally with you, totally. In fact, you know, I always think with Neil, I always think as a brand, I like to think that we're, if we were a friend to someone, we'd be a friend that you can sit at the kitchen table with, have a cry about your problems. Neil, the person, makes you a cup of tea. Yeah, <laughs> you <laughs> are, you on, Pats you on the back, gives you a couple of words of wisdom, but ultimately goes, do you know what, this is life, good days, bad days, good you know days, what, bad days. You'd be surprised the power of a candle. Like, when I'm at home and I'm having a bit of a rubbish day or I'm stressed, particularly stressed, actually, I'm as with most people I'm sure working from home a lot more now so I can curate my space in a way that mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have done if I was working you know at a co-working space or at the gym or whatever for me putting on a candle is such um a thing that kind of sets off the tone of my of my working space it's like if I've got something on I'm actually feeling a bit more calm I'm feeling a bit more chilled I'm feeling a bit more together and actually like you yeah. you joke about it but it does it really does make you feel as though you're setting the space in a different way than if you had nothing there at all I, I completely agree and I think you know we always talk about you know real well-being and small steps big difference I think there's great power and something I've really learned in you know sort of later years Later years of life? God, I'm only 42. <laughs> anyway, whatever. In the last few years, is there's a great power and strength mm. in really allowing yourself to believe that the small things in life really are the big things. Because when you go through a, you know, a tough time or even a bad afternoon, if you don't attribute kind of too much to, I don't know, earning millions of pounds mm. or buying a jumper for, for, for mm. you know, a fortune or or, or or getting somewhere. If you can really say, do you know what happiness is about? A cup of tea, a chat with my friend, a lovely bath, lighting a candle, then there's so much strength in knowing you pretty much always going to have that ability to do that. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? And that there's a, you know, I use that that kind of analogy with a lot of my clients because it's completely related to exercise too. Yes. When people start out on an exercise journey, they see the running the marathon as the goal or being able to deadlift 100 kilos as the goal. And it seems so far away that it's like, how am I ever going to get to there? But actually with exercise, it's about doing a little bit and a little yeah. bit and a little bit and learning here and just the small things, you know, walking a few more steps every day or um, doing, you know, a, a bit of yoga on a Sunday. Yeah. You know, it's not about the big things that is actually important. It's about the small things you do every day Absolutely. that add up to the big things. Absolutely. And I think that's really important to remember. It's, you know, it's often, it can feel very intimidating when you see, for example, like I see things online, like people doing crazy things with their body in, in exercise. And I'm like, oh God, I'd never be able to do that. But they have built that up through doing small things every day. And I mm -hmm. think you're absolutely right. It's sometimes so much better just to break it down and see that actually the small things are what matters. It's totally. not those big things. And they're ownable and they're retainable for mm. everyone, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, you know, whatever, whatever life throws at you. Mm -hmm. You can always look after yourself. You can always make those small moments into special moments. Mm. You know, it's like... 
I don't know, having the takeaway, but lighting the candles yeah. and, you know, putting nice music on. Those things are within everyone's grasp. And mm. I think that's the power of well-being for me. It's so not about looking amazing and, and you know, doing yoga on a beach at six in the morning. I'm not I'm not dissing that. That's nice. And <laughs> I like the idea of that one day. Yeah. But it's not about that. It's about yeah. the power that we all have inside mm. ourselves. Mm. So... Oh, I want to talk to you about so many things. Where on earth do I start? I want to talk to you about your new app. And I yes. also want to talk about your social media. But I need to get on to your ways to well-being, as we always talk about on the podcast, which is the five top tips of stuff in your well-being toolkit. Where should we start? Let's let's go with the, let's go with a new app, Give Me Strength, because I love this app. Mm. I love everything about this app. I love <laughs> the name of this, which is the same name as your podcast. But um, again, it seems like it's that sort of... Um, reality plus plus yeah. sort of quite doable mm. and that's the thing I think you know when I looked at the fitness industry and actually I want to yeah so rewind four years I had an opportunity and I met with a lot of different app developers and I went with my manager and we were sitting there and I had these ideas of an app that I wanted to create and I think this is important I guess you can relate to this in in your business if you have your business hat on as well that there are times when it's just the wrong time and the wrong place and I wasn't in the right frame of mind to do the app I didn't feel confident enough in my abilities as a coach and I shelved it and didn't come back to it for a long time and it was actually through COVID um, and lockdowns that I started to teach my classes um, on Instagram and I just started to sort of develop this confidence that I hadn't had before and it was it was really that kind of maybe it's that validation or bit of feedback from my audience that like I'm actually really good at what I do and I know that sounds like a bit of an ego boost but it's true it's 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 sort of I guess when you're only working one-to-one with a person and when the industry feels so saturated and huge, it can sometimes feel like you're just a very small fish in a big pond and everyone else is doing more than you. And actually, I think in teaching those classes, it sort of gave me the confidence to be like, I can do this. And so I wanted to translate that into an app format. I wanted to create the ability to be able to coach people so that I'm there in their living room with them doing it and that I'm giving them all the coaching tips so that it's not just someone opening their app and saying, oh, actually, you know, I need to go to the gym and I'm not quite sure how I do that. We do do those programs and I cater to that. But I also wanted to create an avenue where if someone has never exercised or they haven't exercised in a while or they're wanting that little bit more motivation than Mm -hmm. just following a program on their phone, there would be something there for them that is realistic, that they're able to do, that feels challenging, but also progressive, um, that has all of those little bits that I felt was were missing in the industry, which is, you know, the good coaching skills, the kind of laying the foundations for, for proper movement rather than just throwing 100 burpees at someone. My biggest bugbear with the fitness industry coming into it was that there's a lot of sweat and there's a lot of noise there's not a huge amount of quality and actually Mm. if we want to move well and move well for a long time which is what I hope we all want to do we want to be moving and healthy and happy when we're 80 90 hopefully um then it's important to take care of your body and a lot of the stuff that I see sometimes isn't the best stuff that I would give to people that's not to say it's awful but it's just not how I would approach you know um exercise and how I would approach a workout with with one of my clients for example so it was about you know creating that quality of movement coaching people properly and being able to do that um and really creating a supportive space that means that you know whether you're a complete beginner or you're an advanced lifter there's something for you and also you're able to progress it or regress it as much or as little as you need to um so I'm really proud of the app and I'm proud that I waited I'm proud that I gave it some time took a step back and actually now 
have really felt at a place where I feel confident enough to launch something like an app. Um, Do you know what? That's a really funny thing you said there about um, sort of when you kind of go through those stages where you're super motivated and then you have times where you're less so. It's sort mm. of like a flow thing, isn't mm. it? I, I definitely go through that. Times where I'm like, you know, just nailing stuff. And then I can go months where I'm just a bit yeah. sub. I remember you said, do you know Do you know when we met one time before and I said, oh, I'm really out of exercise. And by mm. the way, I'm quite into it at the moment. Mm. But I was like, really out of exercise. And you said, you know, sometimes to my clients, I say, this is maybe not a time for you to be really smashing it. Yeah. And I was like, what? That's quite a radical thing for a PT to say. And you were like, yeah, but you go through those phases of life. Like, don't think forever you need to be exercising four days a week. Sometimes you're just in a zone where you might just need to cycle your bike a bit and go for a walk. Mm. I, you know, that was quite that was quite out there, mm. I thought. And I think it is that that dose of reality, isn't it? I think what I learned from working in a gym and working with people who are busy, you know, I worked in a in a gym in Soho where a lot of my clients are very successful, busy people. You understand that exercise can't always be the number one priority. It might seem like on Instagram or whatever that people have all the time in the day to go and exercise. But I think the, the reality that I got was for some people, it's just not possible. So you have to talk about priorities. And, you know, I have clients who are parents, for example. So children at the moment for them are probably their number one priority mm-hmm. because they've got to, you know, get the kids to school. They've got to do the lunches. They've do the dinners whatever so that's number one so exercise is going to fall a little bit lower on the priority list that's not to say that it doesn't matter but it's just maybe not number one and there are going to be other times in their life where maybe you know they are a bit freer with their time where it can be a priority mm-hmm. and it's almost that what I think sometimes holds people back is the perception of what they should be doing mm-hmm. and the fact that they're not able to achieve that then stops them from ever doing anything and it's like well actually if you just look at it as though okay it's not a huge priority right now. I'm going to do what I can and I'm going to feel good for doing that. I'm not going to put any pressure on myself to do more or less. I'm just going to do what feels good. Then actually you find that that mindset is a lot more helpful for just getting people to move a bit more. It's about doing what you can, not doing what you feel you should be doing. I think what's really interesting when we talk about your five ways to well-being is that number one is movement. And mm. I think actually just reframing that word from exercise to movement is actually so powerful because to to what you've just said to that point, you know, if you are, and my children are a bit older now, but in those days where they were really little and going to a gym was actually, I couldn't afford mm. and I didn't have the time. It wasn't going to work on any level for me and I had to be in the office all the time, et cetera, et cetera. Movement actually then reframed it as, do you know what, putting them in the buggy and walking them around for a little yeah. bit longer, you know, I was like, okay, actually that ticks that box for me. Mm. So so I think that is your, that's your number one way to well-being, isn't it? It's, yeah, I think movement is my non-negotiable in life. It doesn't have to be sweating it out in the gym or running or whatever, but it has to be some kind of movement every day. And for me, the number one way that I move and the most common way to do that would be to walk. Mm -hmm. I think all of us could benefit from walking more. And it's a simple thing that we know is really good for our health and well-being, really good for our mental health. If you can get outside and do it, even better because you're getting a dose of nature as well. Um, 
And it's pretty doable for most people. Obviously, this is, you know, there are obviously exceptions to the rule. But I think for most people, some form of getting outside and moving is actually going to be something that they can probably do every day. And maybe it's that you make tiny, tiny sacrifices. So you get off your bus one stop earlier so that you can walk or you park your car a little bit further away so you can just walk into work for a little bit longer or you have walking meetings you know we do that at Neom a lot I mean I would say more of my meetings are walking meetings Mm. than they are in an office I mean look Covid to one side I've always done that I think you know you, you you actually can get more and certainly different output from a meeting if it's done with you know two or three of you walking through the park than it is sort of face to face Mm. it's like that funny thing when they say to to get the best out of your children yeah have a conversation with them where you're not looking at each other yeah in the eyes I actually think there's some real I I think for me yeah walking is is a non-negotiable and I do think it is about reframing it as movement describing it as something that doesn't feel as pressurised. I think exercise feels like a pressure to a lot of people. It's like, oh God, I've got to exercise. Whereas you're just like, okay, every hour that you're sort of awake in the day, try and get up and stand for maybe 10 minutes at that hour. Mm-hmm. It's quite a good goal. Even if you're sitting down at a desk, just try and stand up. If you're on a call, maybe do it walking around or on your feet somewhere. If you're absolutely glued to your desk, can you stand up at your desk for a bit, you know? I think there are so many ways in which you can just facilitate small tweaks to your day and actually have, and going back to what we were saying earlier, small things add up to big mm-hmm. things, particularly with movement. I think it's those small changes that can actually make a big difference um and i think you know we know that whilst it might seem counterproductive um the amount that we move and and increasing your movement is actually connected to things like boosting your cognitive function boosting your productivity so actually it might seem you know i've got um an ex-client of mine um whose husband is a big city banker and he runs a trading floor and this guy is quite revolutionary in the way he sees um, health and well-being in the workplace, i.e. he comes from a background where everyone's glued to their desk from seven in the morning till God knows what time at night. There's not much daylight in the office. They are eating lunch at their desk, eating dinner at their desk and sometimes breakfast as well. Um, and he sort of came in and was like, this is so wrong. You know, this is not how we get the best out of our, our workforce. And he put in some changes like he made it mandatory to leave your desk when you eat your lunch and to try and get outside if you can. Um, he did things like, in, uh, you know, workplace initiatives, to try and get people to come in and exercise in the morning before then going to their desk, trying to get more light, natural light into the office. Loads of things. And it's like if we just have people that are trying to do small things that add up to big things, you're actually going to get more from your workforce. Totally. It's not backwards. It's not, you know, th- I think people are realising that FaceTime isn't everything when it comes to productivity and, and, and output of work. It really, really is about how people feel. It's also about teamwork, right? So mm. we, do two, we do two PT sessions a week at Neon. Mm. And actually, you know, it's, it's a brilliant girl who works in custom services who trained as a PT and we were like, oh, you should do some sessions. And and we've, we've always done bits and pieces like that. But actually, you have a completely different um, relationship with someone in a different department mm. if every Tuesday and Thursday morning, you know, you're training with them. It's yeah. like, you know, there's real hidden benefits, I think, mm. in that beyond mm. it being like a perk. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So now, guys, 
I'm just going to take a two minute break to tell you about a couple of products that I am particularly proud of that have just launched at Neom and why I love them. And I'm going to give you a discount code as well that you can use just because you're listeners of the Neon podcast. So that's coming in a minute. Let me tell you about these two products, which are super new. Have you heard of the Wellbeing Pod Lux? If not, where have you been? Although to be fair, it has just launched and it's amazing. So if you've already seen our pods, which are fantastic, which sent a room in seconds, not minutes, this is a bigger version of the Neon Wellbeing Pod. So it is specifically designed to scent much bigger spaces, but there's loads of other cool things with it. So it's got this brilliant 7-Eleven breathing technique, this light, which helps you to do meditative breathing. So I love that. It's also got uh, remote control, which is really, really cool. Um, It's got the sustainably sourced upcycled wooden base. So beautiful. Um, It's got adjustable diffusion intensity and up to 12 hours of continuous fragrance. So it's larger and way more luxurious than ever before. Absolutely love it. And then the other thing which you have hopefully seen if you've been following us on Instagram is our new ceramic hand wash. So we've got this gorgeous nude ceramic wash and it comes with 100% PCR refill. So big one litre hand wash refills. And the idea is to make our hand washes as sustainable as possible. So you will keep this ceramic gorgeous vessel and you will then buy your one litre refills. They are the most sustainable recycled post-consumer material. So loving that as well. Now, the code, if you want to go shopping course you want to go shopping is neon podcast and it's 15 percent off everything online with t's and c's applying and now let's get back to the episode let's move on to your second way to well-being which is connection yeah i think particularly this is one that's really hit home to me over the last 18 months that we've all gone through um I had underestimated the importance of human connection to health and well-being over the, you know, prior to COVID. I'm sure that you've also done similar things where you can get so swept up in work and work mode that it's like, oh, no, I'm too busy for that. Oh, no, I can't do that. Um, I'm going to have an early night and go to bed and go, uh, go home on my own because I need to get up early to do this. And kind of turn down opportunities and say no to things because it's work, 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 and I just want to get ahead in life. Um, But I think that absolutely what I realised was, you know, particularly doing those Zooms that I'm sure we all did, like seeing people's faces and having conversations were so much more important to me and so much more valuable to me than ever before. And I recognised that that to me, what that did to me mentally was huge in terms of giving you that boost, connecting with someone, being able to engage with someone outside of your usual space. And after COVID, I've had this, you know, when we came out of, um, you know, various lockdowns, I've really made it a priority to try and say yes to more, more connection, you know, going for coffees with friends, making time to go for walks with people, making time to say yes to things that I might not have done before, because I actually realised that in doing those things, I think I'm, I would describe myself as, um, an introvert slash extrovert. In some ways, I'm very extroverted. I'm able to put on a happy face and do that. And I think a lot of that comes from my performance background, but actually like real me is very much quite happy just to be on her own at home, doing her own thing so I have to quite 
you know, force myself to get out and Me do too. things. But in doing that, I do feel that I get so much from it. And I think all of us have really realized over the last 18 months the value of human connection and how much actually isolation and being on our own is not good for us in in abundance yes in, in you know in small doses it's great but um i think we we really um thrive as humans when we connect with others in in meaningful ways and i've tried to really say yes to more of that more things and you know what i i found as well is that is that you never feel more yourself than when you've spent a couple of hours with a really good old girlfriend yeah. I think sometimes you sort of lose yourself a bit don't you in being mm. work you mum you you know partner you etc cetera, etc cetera. whereas the essence of you I find comes out when I spend quality time it's just me it, with those good friends yeah and that is actually needed for well-being is yeah. you to remember who you are so mm. yes I enjoy those times with those people but what they actually give me is a sense and a kind of grounding mm. of who I really am mm. and what I really think and not Neom Nicola or Mum Nicola or do you know what I mean? None of that stuff. Yeah. And, and and that's where you need to kind of keep rooting. So I'm such a a girl's girl in that way as well, and not having access to brilliant females. Yeah. You know, especially during lockdown was probably one of the hardest things. I'd say one thing as well though, it has also made me think about solidifying some connections and also pulling away from others. Yes. I think yes. that lockdown really makes you think, who is my tribe? Who are my people? Yes. And um, I think for me, I am finding and learning so much about how I am in relationships over the last three years. I think that I, ha I, I am having therapy at the moment. And I think one of the things that we discuss is how I am in relationships and how interesting it is that past experiences can translate into who you would gravitate to and who you have in your life. And I think, you know, I've actually had to have a bit of a refining, I think, of who I let into my life and be quite boundaried about how much so of my energy yeah, that I give. So with you, and, and, and you know what, there's nothing like a tough time, lockdown absolutely can constitute that but any other tough time in your life to really put that filter yes. on that right it's like you kind of go through life thinking oh they'd be that they'd be this they'd be so and so and actually when you go through that time mm. and you know absolutely as I say lockdown can be classified as that you get this sort of bright light over over over, over everyone in your contact mm. book and I think there's always a there's always a need to re-edit that. Mm. And, and I just, just to add to that, it's always okay at any point in your life to walk away from something that isn't serving you because other opportunities and other people will come about. And I think for me, I definitely, um, I guess, made my circle smaller but tougher and better and that's okay as well. You know, I think a lot of us grow up thinking we need to have loads of friends mm -hmm. and be really popular mm -hmm. and... I'm not that person. I know that, you know, I'm, I have a small circle of really, really good friends and people that I trust and I love. And it doesn't matter that it's not, you know, I'm not going to have 10 bridesmaids. Okay, that's fine. Oh, I'm, no, I'm okay there with that. Alice. You know, like I, 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 I've, I've made peace with the fact that I'm not going to have that photo with hundreds of friends on either side of me. No. But you know what? Like, so what? And I think that actually, like, what matters to me is if I'm really in need, if I'm having a shit day, 
if I'm really struggling, do I have a handful of people that I can pick up the phone to and go, I really need you right now? Yes, I do. Yeah. And that's all that's important oh, to we, me. There's a whole other podcast in that. <laughs> let me tell you. Right, let's, let, let's move on to breath work. Yeah. So I think when I was trying to think of things that I think really help well-being and, you know, you could go so off on a tangent, but I think I try to think of things that are kind of free yes. and aren't, you like know. Like said before, yeah, yeah, there's a real power in that. It should it should be stuff that anyone and everyone can do. And I think, you know, part of my ethos is that it should be accessible. Exercise, well-being, everything should be very accessible. So for me, breath work is one of those things that we all breathe. <laughs> And we all have the ability to change our breath and therefore to change our well-being as a, as a result. And I've learned a lot about breath work over the last couple of years. I think there are there are amazing people in that space who are doing incredible things like the breath guy. I love him. Yeah, there's amazing people. Um, but for me personally, I'm someone who is absolutely probably described as being of an anxious disposition. <laughs> Oh, and hello. I definitely have. Hello. Yeah, exactly. We're all waving in the Oh, room. my God, honestly. So there are times when, you know, you have that racing heart and you're stressed and worried. And, God, I've had it so much over the last couple of years that I think um, I really had to find something that worked for me that was able to bring me back from that place of, oh, my God, the world's going to end. <laughs> and so um, breath work was one of those things that I really lent on. I remember doing it with my therapist in, in lockdown and sort of, keeping that practice um it's basically called square breathing i'm sure loads of people have heard of it but you breathe in for four you hold for four you breathe out for four you hold for four it's not nothing revolutionary but it's one of those things where like it's such a small tip that actually in doing makes such a big difference and so i think i have understood the benefits of i guess when you feel as though you're sort of a little bit helpless and, and and going down that stage of, I'm so anxious, oh my God, what am I going to do? But knowing that there's something that actually, oh, I can bring myself back from that a little bit. Totally. Um, and I always liken it to like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a scene in Friends, and I think they do it a couple of times, where like Janice is like breathing into a paper bag. She's like, <gasps> and like, it always reminds me of that because if you just take your brain to, to your breath, there's something quite powerful in that and being able to just focus on the rise and fall of your totally. breath. Um, so I use it if I'm stressed, if I'm worried, anxious, but also when I'm struggling to go to sleep. Um, and really the, the kind of essence of it is that in slowing down your breath and in being able to create a steady pace of slow inhales, slow holds and slow exhales, you tap into your parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest state, your ability to then calm your central nervous system. And actually, it's not just about the breathing, but it's really about what it then tells the body to do. Um, so for me, it's, it's kind of knowing that in just doing such a simple thing as going from really high breathing, which sometimes you don't even realise you're doing. Have you ever had it where you take a massive breath and you're like, oh my God, I haven't breathed properly all day. Um, Just checking in with yourself and checking in with your breath. You know, we, so we actually advocate a 7-Eleven breathing technique and I know that there's different ways Mm. of square breathing. We do 7-Eleven because I think if you do a longer exhale, that is the real steadier. And Mm. we actually... On pretty much every pack of neon product, every every box, every carton, we talk about the 7-Eleven breathing technique mm. because I always think if you do that alongside inhaling the essential oils, which obviously work through 
either inhalation or absorption. So in this sense, through inhalation, then that makes them work better. And the combination of being able to get those oils into your system, yeah. calm your parasympathetic system down mm. and use that breath work to, to work alongside it is the sort of strongest thing. So I have been many a time in a toilet with, you know, a neon hand balm breathing in for seven, out for 11 to sort of steady myself. Mm. Or actually, this is probably not the most well-being tip, but the other night I had a few glasses of wine. <laughs> I always do that thing where I wake up at like four in the morning. Yeah. Do oh, geez, that's got worse as I've got older. Mm. So there I was, you know, and, and it's only like three or four glasses of wine. I'm like, mm. God, I'm not a wino, but it happens to me now all the time. So I woke up and I was, oh my God, my heart's going bang, 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 and all my thoughts and everything. I've got like a neon hand bomb, I'm breathing in for seven, out for 11. I was like, good God, you mm. know, if you could see me now, mm. I'll be laughing at this You are living morning. and breathing in neon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in extraordinary <laughs> circumstances. But a circumstance that happens to yeah. me quite often, I'm afraid to say. And, uh, but it, it absolutely does work. Mm. It absolutely does work. And um, and I think, again, it's it's kind of back to that how much power there is when you you have in, uh, of yourself mm-hmm. when you realize that these tools are the most effective tools are free yeah i th- i think that i think that's it and i think unfortunately it's not something that is kind of talked about that much yeah i i think there are like i said there are amazing people championing breath work but i think even for example in schools you know how many kids now suffer with anxiety if you could sit all the kids in one room and just say okay for 10 minutes we're just going to do some breathing work and we're going to focus on doing really slow inhales i mean i'm making it sound much more simple than i imagine it would be but um i think there are definitely ways in which we can kind of teach particularly young people to have that control over their anxiety Absolutely. and over their breath and, and actually making it a little bit better about routine isn't it Mm. so you say self-care that's a big one for number four (laughs) I kind of was yeah when I when you asked me about my well-being tips I was like well self-care kind of is a a catch-all for all of the things that I think you know we kind of know make us feel good and the reason why I put it in there is I think a lot of people probably expect me to say exercise good diet all these things and I think that actually for me when it comes to my well-being and what I perceive because I think it's a wildly subjective term as well right so well-being is going to be very different to for me compared to the next person but for me personally where I derive a lot of my well-being from is actually in again going back to the small things but the small acts of self-care that I tend to do every day it can be as simple as you know every day making sure that I uh, get up and doing my face routine in the morning like putting on my various creams my lotions and potions um but just doing that in the morning I realize that um one of the things for me that tends to go is if I'm in a bit of a mental health dip my acts of self-care and small things they are at that but acts of self-care tend to go out the window I so agree. when you're really not feeling it and not feeling good in yourself like not washing your face properly not moisturizing when you get out of the shower i'm not saying these things are essential but they're things that i do um not getting my nails done or, or not bothering to do, wash my hair and actually like it, it it's it sounds almost backwards but i feel like sometimes for me in terms of just doing those small things it really does from <laughs> just starts to make me feel a little bit better mm. even if I'm not feeling it inside and I yeah. and I think that it's a big sign for me that my mental health is maybe going through a dip when I start to notice those things fall so I try and keep them as you know 
non-negotiables during my day, doing my face in the morning, having a nice bath every every few nights and just making sure that I take time to read a book in the bath. Um, cooking for me is another, I know it sounds sad, but cooking active for me, self-care. Cooking for me is the thing, yeah. you know, it really is. I can notice that sort of difference between... Um, because it's, it has so many different elements in it, right? Mm. It's like I don't count calories as much as I, I'm quite obsessed with counting the goodness that I've had over mm. a week because I, because I know how much it makes me feel, but also better. But also I really enjoy preparing really nice food mm. and doing it in a kind of quite slow way. Mm. And something about the uh, process of that as much as Meditative, the... Meditative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. And, and that for me is the one thing that I always... Because I'll exercise sometimes even if I'm not feeling great mm. but it's the cooking that mm. really makes a difference. I can sometimes think, oh God, we've just had literally a piece of chicken and a salad for, you know, the last two weeks. And which is fine, which is good. But if I haven't sort of took that time to prepare something a bit more wholesome... Yeah. I know that I'm sort of slipping. Yeah. And I think as well, there's something in, um, you know, for me anyway, the reason why I said cooking then is because um, I think it is an act of of sort of self-care to be able to, for me anyway, and this is speaking very very much from a personal perspective, when my mood or mental health starts to go through a little bit of a dip, again, another thing that I notice is I just start to reach for foods that I probably wouldn't necessarily Mm. do as regularly. Um, It's not that I don't, eat takeaways and things like that but for for maybe three nights in a row I'll be like right I'm just gonna get a takeaway instead and I know that's not me and actually it's not about what's in the food it's what it makes me feel so I know that I'll wake up in the morning and feel a bit more sluggish and then I won't be as motivated to exercise and it's almost like a a domino effect of not preparing you know nice home-cooked food for me then start to get takeaways and eating a bit more chocolate eating a bit more this and that and it can then start to kind of spiral so I think sometimes I find just taking time to prepare some food and absolutely as, as as you mentioned I find that process very meditative and it and it you know allows me to sort of tip into that act of, of feeling as I'm doing something good for myself because I'll have a podcast on and I'm just pottering yeah. about and doing my thing and then and my it's brain quite creative as well yeah so you're sort of doing self-care you're doing meditative you're doing creative mm. you're doing and you get a tasty thing at the end yeah <laughs> You get something good to eat afterwards, so it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Number five is nature. Yeah. So I kind of touched on this one earlier, but again, going from the free and everything accessible perspective, we all have hopefully some kind of a green space that we can get to. I don't have a garden. So you're a city girl, right? I'm a city girl, but I don't, but, but for me, I almost value it so much more because I don't have a garden. So when I get out to, I mean, my favorite place to go to is Richmond Park. Yes. And that's an open, making that a priority and just actually really savouring the fact that being outdoors in a big, open, beautiful space is so special. Um, I think we're only just learning about what green spaces do for people's mental health. I think that it's incredibly powerful what it can do in terms of boosting your mood and making you feel better in yourself. Um, And even little things like I've made a big change in our flat of having lots of greenery everywhere. So we've got loads of plants now, which I love, my little plant babies. Um, But I do find that making your space green and having sort of nature inside can actually make you feel really um, kind of I don't know, happier in a, I don't know how happy is the word, but just much more kind of content. Mm-hmm. I think um, nature for me is one of those things that if I don't get it, so for example, if I spend the whole day indoors with not much light at my laptop, um, 
I can really feel my mood start to just be like, oh, God, I feel so sluggish. And even just getting out for 10 minutes, you know, our, the local park that I go to is like a 10 minute walk away. So I'm like, right, I'm going to go there, do one lap, come back. And the difference that that can make. And I, I am that cheesy person like that goes, look up. But honestly, when I'm out and you just sort of, if it's a nice day, particularly like yesterday, it was like this most beautiful blue sky. And I was in the park with my boyfriend and I just sort of do this like thing where I'm like looking up and thinking, actually the world is so much bigger than than me. And sometimes there's something quite humbling about being like, I'm just a very small part of a really big thing. And um, it sort of is that outer body experience of being like, I know my stuff matters, but also like there's so much more that matters in the world. And, um, you know, my problems feel a little bit more insignificant. Um, that's not to say they don't matter, but, but they feel a bit more insignificant. Um, and definitely just that boost of feeling as though, you know, you're in a green space, you're in um, an environment in which you can just be and chill. And again, like you said, I often find if I'm in nature, my technology is away. I'm not on my phone. I'm not at a screen. Um, and I'm just able to sort of take everything in. Yeah. That just makes me feel so much better. So yeah, sticking with the free... Um, um, free and accessible nature for me is one of those things that I think everyone should try and I mean for me it's like a once a week thing like I'll go to the local park yes but to go out to a big green space it's like on a Saturday or a Sunday go out for a nice long walk get some fresh air and it makes me feel so much better I I, I totally I totally agree you know I live sort of half the time in London half in Yorkshire mm. and uh, I have a horse now oh. Yeah, he's, um, well, they threw me off and I broke my arm the other oh month. Oh, my God. I know, I know. Very naughty. But um, it's 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 like it forces, it's kind of a hobby, and, but it forces me also to be mindful. Present. Present. Yeah. You have to concentrate mm. if you have a hobby, an outdoor hobby. Mm. I presume it's the same if you're into cycling or mm. running or whatever. You have to sort of, you have to be in the moment because... You, you have to concentrate mm. and you're outside at the same time. So it's, for me, the best thing for my mental health. Yeah. yeah not, not free, though, I'm afraid, having a horse. No, no that one isn't. <laughs> I've waited a long time. I kept saying to myself, I'll get one when I'm 25, I'll get oh. one when I'm 30, I'll get one when I'm 35. So, Do you know yeah. what, the animals in general, not yeah. free, but animals, yeah. great for your mental health. Love it. Borrow a dog. I mean, I, I want a dog of my own. My parents have got dogs and I go back and see them a lot, but I want my own one at some point. Yeah. It will happen. <laughs> it will definitely, it will definitely happen. Well, Alice, thank you so much for coming on um, the Neon podcast. And uh, like I said, you know, just keep being you because you're just in that little space sort of where I'm I'm trying to get to, which is sort of well-being plus plus, you know, looking good and, and pulling it together and, and giving us exercises, which actually on the app feel to me like I can do without you know falling over and being totally exhausted but also you know you like a donut don't you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and ice cream and pizza <laughs> yeah and all those things as well and um and i think that's that's what well-being that's what well-being really is about now so really thank you for sort of championing that for you know me and and my daughter and uh you know and all my friends you're quite the inspiration oh well thank you so much thanks oh, for having me it's been a pleasure hey!